Good morning. I'm glad to have everybody here this morning. Um, sorry, y'all got to <laughs> deal with me today, but we will make it through it. Sounds like I'm the little guinea pig for the new uh, system, so if anything goes wrong, I will blame it on that and not me. <laughs> no. um, I would just like to give a shout out to my wife real quick and all the other stay-at-home moms. We had a, our fifth child, I guess about four and a half, four and a half weeks ago on November 11th, and I took off some time to be home with the family, and I was thinking all the different projects I was going to be able to do around the house and catch up on stuff, and she's been taking care of the new baby, and I've been taking care of the other four kiddos, and it seems like you're just holding one kid after another, cleaning up one mess, fixing a bottle, doing something, and I didn't get to do hardly anything that I thought I was going to get to do, so I'm ready to go back to work this afternoon, so I get a little vacation, <laughs> get away from my kiddos for a while, so it is... It is a handful sometimes, especially when you're trying to prepare a sermon and stuff like that, and it's just a little different. So I have a lot more appreciation for what, what my wife does at the house each and every day now. So just wanted to tell her thank you, and we have a big family, and it's fun sometimes, but it's also very chaotic sometimes. So <laughs> um, I would also like to pray before I start preaching today, so if you don't mind, if you bow your heads with me. Dear Heavenly Father, just thank you for this opportunity just to gather together in fellowship, to build each other up and encourage each other, and just to have corporate worship together, just to learn your word, study it, Father, and figure out how to go out into this world and apply it to our everyday lives. I ask that you would just give me the words and the wisdom to know what to say today, God, and uh, just that I would speak what somebody needs to hear today. And just thank you for this opportunity, and we ask all this in Jesus' holy and precious name. Amen help if I got my notes out. So, <laughs> um, Today we're going to talk about, Aaron said we're in the series, Emmanuel, Baby Jesus, um, it's coming soon, or that's the title that I have for today's message. Um, but I'm sure everybody at some point has given out a baby announcement, or at some point somebody's gotten an announcement saying that, hey, there's another kid coming, we're having another baby. Most of the time the first one is very meaningful, everybody's very proud, like, hey, you know, we just got married, we're having our first kid together. It's normally a very exciting time, and then kind of the more you have, people are just like, oh, great, they're having another one now. It gets, <laughs> sometimes it gets a little less exciting the more you have, but it's still exciting to the parents and that family. Like I said, it's, it's always exciting, but sometimes it's a little chaotic. Um, it's usually a time of very exciting news. Most people want to be able to share that with other people. Um, but in this case, this, this announcement was a little bit different. It's basically the baby saying, hey, I'm picking the parents. Y'all are going to, I'm going to, I'm coming, I'm coming to y'all. Y'all are going to have me. Y'all are going to have to raise me. It's a little, it's a little different the way that the angel announced it to this one. And it's not always the fairy tale story that most of us grow up in church. That's one of the things you grow up in church as a little kid. You hear the stories, you're learned to taught them, you're, you're taught them, you're taught to believe them at a very early age and you get a good foundation. But sometimes that takes off to me, like the excitement of it, the miraculous part of it sometimes, because you just grow up accepting it. Um, you look back at this time period, what Mary and Joseph had to go through, what God was willing to put his son down to go to, and it was not the little fairy tale that we're taught in Sunday school all the time. It was very meaningful. It was very troublesome. You had to go through a lot of um, humiliation, a lot of pain, a lot of suffering, a lot of other people questioning what you're doing and stuff like that, and it makes you put your trust in God a whole lot more. It makes you put your trust in each other as a married couple a whole lot more. Um, so we're going to talk about, obviously, it's Mary and Joseph. Um, they were in Nazareth is where they lived at the time. There's a little village, probably about 100 people or so at that time from what I was reading. And usually in small towns, like the gossiping and stuff like that, it's like even worse. There are no secrets. People start talking about, you know, well, how'd she get pregnant in the first place? 
stuff like that. Things can become a little different in a small town, but it said there are probably some little white stone houses scattered around the synagogue up in the highest part of the town. Like in most, most villages and towns, they put the synagogue up high where you could see it. Um, and then you would have the marketplace that was in those little towns as well. About 100 people, most of them were farmers, shepherds, stuff like that. But then you would have a few skilled craftsmen that would be in every town at that time or every village. It'd normally be like your potter, you'd have a weaver, um, a dyer, you'd have a blacksmith, and then you'd have the person that's going to be in our story would be Joseph the carpenter. He was one of the skilled people that would be in the town at that time, somebody that hopefully people would look up to some. Everybody kind of knew if you had that shop, everybody's going to know your business because they're going to be coming in and out. They're going to go find out what you're doing, find out, you hey, you got a baby on the way, and your engagement's not even fully complete yet. So <laughs> there, you could get a lot of rumors and stuff started very easily. But I'll go ahead and read the scripture. I'm going to be in two different scriptures today. Um, the first one is going to be in Luke, and then the second one's going to be in Matthew. So I think um, if they have that up there, I'll start reading here in Luke chapter 1, verse 26. And it says, Now in the sixth month the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph, of the descendants of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And coming in, he said to her, Greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was very perplexed at this statement and kept pondering what kind of salutation that this was. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. And he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. And Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the Holy Child shall be called the Son of God. And behold, even your relative Elizabeth has conceived a son in her old age, and she, was called, and she who was called barren is now in her sixth month. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, the bond slave of the Lord, may it be done to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. So that's the part in, uh, in Luke where we're talking about Mary and what she's having to deal with. So we're going to talk a little bit about Mary real quick. She's probably a young teenage girl, just your average person. She wasn't special probably by any means. Most of the time the people that God picks in his stories who God chooses to use is not the people that if we as humans would go out and pick somebody. We want to pick the prettiest, the most powerful, the most successful, something like that. But God normally picks somebody who's very humble, who's going to give him the glory for what he's using them for um, so she was probably just your average teenage girl, a very young girl, um, probably had no expectations that she was going to be asked to do anything like this, was not prepared for it, and that's what most people say when they're asked to do something, well, I'm not ready to do that yet, let me pray about it a little more, and, and it's good to pray, but a lot of people, they just keep saying, let me pray about it, let me pray about it, let me pray about it, and God didn't give her much of a choice, he said, hey, this is what's happening, and you're going to have to <laughs> be ready, or you're going to have to sink or swim, basically, but she was just your average person. She wasn't perfect. She was just a sinner like us, just an average person that God picked out of this little small community. It wasn't a big town or anything like that. It's just a just a small village, and God said, this is who I'm going to choose to be the mother of my son. This is the village that I'm going to choose for him to be raised up in. Um, but she had a good relationship with Jesus Christ. It talks about when she goes and visits her cousin Elizabeth, when she has her song of prayer to God, that she talks about her humble estate that she's not worthy to be able to do this stuff. She wants to be able to give God the glory, and that's probably one of the main reasons why he picked her, is that she could, 
because she was humble that she was going to give God the credit, that she wasn't going to be all uppity about it saying, look who God picked, like I'm better than everybody else because God picked me to do this. That's not the type of person that she was. She wanted to be able to give God all the glory for what this was, and she didn't think that she was going to be worthy to be able to do it, but she was very grateful that God did pick her. She was highly favored. God bestowed a lot of grace on her, a lot of undeserved love and favor. He said, look, you have a relationship with me. You are humble. I think you would be the right person to be able to do this, so I'm picking you because of these attributes, not because of your fame, not because of your wealth, not because I think you're going to be perfect at it, but because he believed that she would be, be sincere in it and call on God, lean on him to be able to help her through this time. And she had a very good relationship with Jesus based off of him picking her, based off of what scripture says about her. But even though she had that good relationship, I'm, certain, I'm sure she probably was not expecting the angel Gabriel to come down and tell her that, hey, you're about to become the mother to the son of God. You're, you haven't had relations with the man yet. Like, this isn't possible. Um, but with God, all things are possible. God's going to be able to make this happen. Because she asked him, like, well, how am I going to be mother to the son of God if I haven't even been with a man yet, if I'm still a virgin? And he explained to her, he's like, hey, you know, this is how it's going to be explained the miraculous feat, and most people would be very excited about that to hear, hey, I'm going to be the mother to the Son of God. I'm going to raise the, um, the child of God. This is going to be pretty awesome, but you got to think about what she's telling her and then the things that are told at that time or that are popular in that time. Not, sorry, that's not what I'm trying to say. <laughs> things that were the common practice in that time, I guess. But she, she gets hung up at the very beginning. It says that she was perplexed and trying to understand the greeting when the angel came to her and said, said, greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. She's probably wondering, well, why am I favored in the first place? What are you talking to me for? Like, why did you come here to begin with? And uh, she's probably, despite the relationship, she's probably still perplexed, got all this stuff going on, trying to figure out what the, what the angel is talking about. So then angel, or the angel Gabriel finishes his message. And then Mary questions him again, you know, well, how is this going to be if I'm still a virgin? Like, how am I supposed to be mother to the Son of God if I'm still a virgin? So then he goes through and explains everything again, saying it's going to be the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you. You're going to bear the Son of God. He, you will conceive a child in your womb. It will be Jesus, the promised Messiah that's coming. And she's sitting here, probably a young teenager at the time, hearing all this for the first time. Like I said, we read the story. We've grown up in church most of the time. We know how it goes. We know how the story ends. We know... Um, you know, it has that fairy tale ending that we like to talk about, that they get together, they have the son, he's born in the manger under the star, kind of the little simple story that the kids hear all the time. But she's hearing this for the first time, and she's like, I haven't even known my husband. Like, is he still going to want me after this? Am I going to get stoned for having adultery outside of wedlock? There's all these different things that she's thinking about, the rumors in the small village, are people going to accept me, are people going to reject me? Um, she didn't know the story at the time, so we're trying to figure out, you know, what, how is she going to respond to this? How is she going to respond to the angel? She's just a young kid, and all this is being thrown on her all at once. Um, but, you know, you have to accept the fact, you know, when she tells people, hey, I'm pregnant, you know, is she going to be excited to tell the news that she is pregnant in the first place? Is she going to keep it a secret as long as she can, or how is she going to deal with it? And then when she tells people that, you know, they know that a promised Messiah is coming, but they're going to believe her that she's the one chosen to carry it. Are they going to believe that she didn't meet up with somebody else out of wedlock and have a baby? Or maybe that her and Joseph, um, they took their relationship a little too far before they should have. And they had, um, they ended up getting pregnant and they're just trying to throw all this off. Say, oh, this is the promised Messiah that's coming. There's going to be, there's going to be all kind of ridicule, whether it's in the church, whether it's just in the village, whether it's with their people. They're going to be getting all this ridicule. And she's thinking all that while the angel's telling her this. He's like, 
it's pretty exciting news, but I'm scared to death because I don't even know if I'm going to be alive to live through this. Like, this could end my life if I tell people this, if I go through with this. Um, it also said, you know, there's a Roman garrison that was about four miles northwest of the town of Nazareth right then. So there are always soldiers and stuff coming through. Like, you could have saw people talk about all the time, oh, a man in uniform or something. Maybe she lost her... Uh, uh, or just had had a fling or something like that, or soldiers could have come through and they could have done something inappropriate, something like that. There were all these different things that when I was reading about it that people could have come up with how she got pregnant, whether it's somebody else in a small village, whether she went too far with Joseph, whether it was one of the soldiers that were always coming through, and that gave people that much more reason to doubt whether she was truly the mother of the Messiah or not, whether God truly conceived a child in her womb, because we like to have common sense explanations. We like to be able to reason through everything to have logic and you looking back at most of the stories in scripture it's not a common sense answer god didn't do things because they made sense he made he did things to be able to give himself the glory um so you, you have all those different options that people could um that people could be thinking about or that's going through her mind what people would think but then she also had to think well what's joseph going to think i'm engaged to him i'm betrothed to him but we're not fully married yet we're not living together yet He's still away, probably preparing the place that they're going to live. Sometimes that could take up to a year from when somebody got engaged to when they actually um, started living together. But she has to think, how is Joseph going to, is he going to believe me? If he does, is he going to accept it or is he going to push me away? Like, you know, this is too much for me. There's all these different things that are going through her mind about um, what people are going to think, what her future husband is going to think, what... Um, and how he's going to handle it, how he's gonna, if he's going to say, no, and you, you had this out of wedlock, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put you away, or yeah, I'm going to accept it, or say, hey, you know, she did this with somebody else, I want to have her stoned for, for doing this to me on the side. There's all these different reasons that can come into play, and it wasn't a very simple decision. And you got to think about the child. If I do, like, if I do raise this child up, it's going to have that stigma of being an illegitimate child. You know, no matter what happens, if she goes through it, that there's still going to be people that say, oh, you know, they had an illegitimate child. She had that son. Joseph admits that he's not the father to it. You know, there's going to be people that are going to look down on them the whole time. There's going to be people that will look down on that child its whole life saying, we don't know who your father is, but we're pretty sure it's not God himself. Like, you, something happened, your mom made up this story to try to cover it up, and that kid's going to have to live with that his whole life. I know when uh, Brooke and I got married, we, I asked the youth kids today if they knew how long we were engaged or married, but I think we were engaged or we dated, I got those words screwed up again, we dated for six months, we were engaged for five months, but from our first date to when we got married was only 11 months long, we got engaged very quick, I figured out, hey, this is the one I want to be with, I'm not letting her get away or giving anybody else a chance, so I'm going to snatch her up pretty fast, but I remember you know, when people said, found out that we got engaged so soon that we um, had a short engagement and everything like that, which still, it was five months. But people started saying, like, oh, you know, they probably got pregnant. They're probably having a kid, and they're trying to rush through this um, to cover that up. And I was like, I couldn't believe that people, that people thought that in the first place, that that is why that we were getting married. But I couldn't wait for the time to come. Like, well, obviously, there are no signs of her getting a bump. Obviously, she's not <laughs> having a baby or anything like that. And we didn't have Lindley for, I think, two and a half years after we got married. But some of the stuff that goes on in a small town, you go to different churches and visit people you haven't seen in a while, and they're like, we didn't even know he was dating that girl. Now they're already married. Like, something has to be up. That, you know, that's very common in small towns and stuff sometimes. And that's something that Mary and Joseph are going to have to think about their own selves when they got married. And 
they weren't going to be able to say in nine months, hey, you know, look, there's no baby like this. Like, we didn't have intercourse out of wedlock. We didn't have this going on. Like, you could obviously tell, like, yeah, there's a bump there. She's going to have a baby. They were not married at this time. You can look back on that, and um, people can think what they will. You can learn to trust God, or you can, you can ridicule somebody else. But God put Joseph and Mary in this situation. He didn't put any of us in that situation. He's got a purpose for all of our lives. He puts us in that, in that place and that time for a reason because we all have a purpose, and this was Mary and Joseph's purpose. This was their, this was their point in life and not any of ours. Um, so you have to think about all those different things that Mary was handpicked to be the mother of Jesus Christ. Out of all the different people that could be there, she was the one that got to do this, and she was probably um, you know, wondering what in the world's going on, what do I say, how do I accept this. Like I said, she's a young teenage girl, and I know most of the kids in our youth group over there, if we were to tell them something like this, they would freak out. But, uh, but her answer shows that even in all this, despite everything that's going on inside of her, all of her emotions going on, she probably still trusted God. She was putting her faith in them, and we can see that by her answer because she said, Behold, the bond slave of the Lord, may it be done to me according to your word. She said, If this is what you, if this is what you say that your plan is for me, then so be it. I will be your servant. I will, I will be faithful to what you're telling me to do despite all these things that are going through my head, despite all the things that people are going to say. I trust you, and I'm going to put my life in your hands. I'm going to put your son's life in my hands. We watched a little video on Wednesday night in the youth group that the skit guys did, and the guy had a little, a little son just like we have over there. Um, ours is four and a half weeks old, and I think this guy's was about the same, but he, was going to, he got to, be, to play baby Jesus in the little Christmas play. Well, guys, he's sitting down here on the front row by the aisle, he said, so he could get out if anything happened, and he looks up and he sees this little teenage girl walking down the aisle with his son and he's like, golly, you know, what if she drops him? What if she trips? What if she does something? You know, I'm worried. He's, he trusted his newborn son to this little teenage girl for just a few minutes for a play and he got to thinking, he's like, that's exactly what God did for us, but he entrusted that. He entrusted his son to a girl for his whole, his whole life down here on this earth, knowing that he was going to be sent here, that he would be ridiculed, that he would live a humble life, all the things that he would have to go through and ultimately die on the cross. But God readily gave up his one and only son for that, and it, it hit home to that guy that, um, that God would do that. And he said, you know, it's a good thing that it was up to God because it was up to me. I wouldn't give up any of my sons for that. And, you know, I feel the same way. I wouldn't want to give up my son for any, to save anybody else. I would want to do everything I could to save my sons. But that God loved us enough that he was willing to send his son down here, put him in the hands of a teenage girl that didn't know what in the world she was doing, put her in a time and a situation where she's going to have to live out a story knowing that she could be um, stoned to death at any time. We have to learn to trust in God. And in marriage, between her and Joseph, they were technically engaged. They were betrothed. They were technically married. It was not official yet, but still, if you wanted to end it, you had to... Uh, you had to go through, you had to file for divorce, you had to go through divorce. So this is something when Mary's thinking, you know, what in the world am I going to tell Joseph? How is he going to accept this? You have to, you have to have trust in that marriage. You have to learn to trust and follow God and his instructions. You got to learn to trust on each other. You got to learn to trust in each other's words and what they say and their actions and what they do. And this marriage was about to be tested very hard early on with both of these versus what Mary was telling them versus the physical um, description that Joseph is sitting there seeing from his bride-to-be. Um, they were about to get tested a whole lot, but they were both godly people. They both trusted in God, and they both wanted to do what they thought was right. So now we're going to take a look over in Matthew real quick, Matthew chapter 1, at Joseph. And I don't know if this is up there or not, but it's in the, 
Yes, it is. And I think, is this the ESV version? So I'm reading out of the NIV, so it's a little bit different, but I usually like to read out of a version that's different than what the preacher's doing, because that way you kind of see what he's saying out of Scripture. You can read what's in your version, and a lot of times on Wednesday nights, I'll tell the kids to just grab a whole bunch of different Scriptures. I said, we'll go through, we'll read the Scripture, and like anybody that's got a different translation, you read it, and you get the different translations, the different versions, and it gives you a bigger picture of what's going on. So in case y'all are wondering if what I'm reading is not perfectly matching up there, it's all right. It's going to be okay. It gives you all a bigger picture of what's going on, hopefully. So we will pick up here in verse 18 of Matthew chapter 1. It said, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her, he planned to send her away secretly. But when he had considered this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of God, or son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit, and she will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall be with child, and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel which translated means God with us. And that's exactly what Aaron was talking about last week in his message. And it said that Joseph awoke from his sleep and did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took Mary as his wife, but kept her a virgin until she gave birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. So Joseph stayed true to what God was telling him as well, but we'll backtrack a little bit and we'll talk about Joseph. Like I said, he was the carpenter in that small town. He's probably one of the people coming, people were coming into his shop all the time. He had somewhat, if you could say, like a prominent place in the town because he was one of the skilled people that if somebody needed some woodwork done or something like that, they were going to come to him for that. And kind of wondering, looking through Scripture, you wonder how he found out about the pregnancy. Did Mary come and tell him straight up as soon as she found out about it? Did she think about it for a while and ask other people, you know, how am I supposed to break, break this news to him? Did he hear it through the grapevine from the rumor mill that was going around? Did he hear it through somebody coming through his carpenter shop? Um, or did... Mary just not know how to tell him, and then we watched a little cartoon called The Star, and in that cartoon, she has like a little thing draped around her waist, and then something happens, and it falls, and she's standing silhouetted to him, and you just kind of see this little bump right there, and he's like, Mary? You know, like, 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 what's going on? You don't really know how he found out or what he was thinking when he first found out, but pretty sure it probably was not good thoughts, because like I said, she was still a virgin. They, they weren't officially married yet. They had not been together yet. Um, so I'm sure his first thought was not was probably not a very good thought. He's probably thinking, "What in the world have you been doing behind my back?" Um, so you have to you know have to take it from his point of view. Most of us men would probably not take that very well. Um, then you got to think about too. Like I've always thought that he wanted to wanted to put her away. He wanted to divorce her. That he probably didn't believe her. He's like, you know, I don't care what you're telling me. You're with, you're with some other guy. You're with some other Roman soldier. Whatever the case may be, but. He knows, everybody else could think that, you know, Mary and Joseph went too far themselves, but he knows he didn't have anything to do with it, so he can go ahead and put that one out. He's like, you had to have been unfaithful to me. Or if even if he is believing it, um, he's, he could have thought, you know, maybe I'm not worthy to be the husband of the mother of the Messiah. I'm not worthy to be the father figure here on this earth to be the mother of Messiah because he didn't, just because he had a legal right to have her stoned in that day and age, he didn't choose to do that. He showed that he still cared about her, that he still loved her, he still respected her. He wanted to do the right thing, and 
could have been, you know, just in case she is telling the truth, I'm not going to kill her. I'm not going to have the Son of God killed. But I don't think, for whatever reason, I don't think I can follow through with this. Whether he believed it or not, we don't really know. But his mind, in his mind, he was going to put her away quietly. He didn't want to embarrass her. He didn't want to disgrace her. He didn't want to have her stoned or punished or anything like that. He's like, I'll just write up a letter of divorce. You know, we'll, we'll end this peacefully and quietly, and we'll go our separate ways. But whatever his reasoning at the time, he did not feel worthy to hear. He did not feel like he could stay with Mary. He did not feel like he could raise that child. He did not feel like he could be husband to her. But he was a godly and gracious man. Like I said, he wanted to do what he thought was right, and he wanted to save her from as much public embarrassment as possible. But once again, I don't know the correct timeline for this. I don't know if it's something he's been thinking about for several days or if it's something he found out and he went to bed that night. But it says that the angel came to him in a dream and talked to him and said, hey, you know, this is going to be the Son of God. You will take this child, raise him as your own. You will take Mary and marry her. Like, this is God's plan. And when he woke up from the dream, it said that he did what God commanded him to do. He trusted in God. He said he had a whole lot more reassurance. He said, you know, Mary said this is what happened to her. Now the same thing happened to me. It was a dream, but still it was confirmation of what she was saying. It was confirmation of what the Lord was telling him. Scripture tells us that it's in there that the angel appeared to him, that the angel said these things. So we have to believe what's in Scripture because it is the written word of God. It is true, and we believe everything that's in it. Um, but that's something that they chose to do when they got to that situation. They both knew that they were going to face the ridicule. They both knew what all they were going to have to go through. Joseph knew that he was going to grow up or live in that small town with the, um, you know, the rumors and stuff going around. Like, yeah, his wife was unfaithful. She got pregnant by another man because he's claiming it's not his, but they're still sticking to that story that it's the Son of God, that God is the one that conceived in that womb. And he knew that he's going to have to face that ridicule. He knew that he was going to have to raise a child that wasn't his. Some people that's easy for, and some people say they can't do that. Obviously, it's something that Joseph didn't think he could do at the right time. Um, he wanted to follow his convictions the best that he could, but then when God appeared to him in that dream, told him, hey, you know, this is what you're wanting to do, and you, I understand your reasoning behind it, but this is what I want you to do. Joseph changed his convictions based off of what the Lord was telling him to do because some people think, you know, you say an answer, I make my decision, I can't ever change from it. You base your decisions based on what the Word of God says, based off your convictions, based off of prayer, and Joseph, for one reason or another, didn't feel like he could stay with her. But then when the angel appeared to him and told him, no, this is God's plan, he changed his mind. He changed his stance. He said, I'm not going to put you away anymore. I'm going to marry you. I'm going to raise this child as my own. I'm going to do the best that I can to give him a life to, um, to raise up and do whatever I have to do as a father. And they chose to do that together. Mary and Joseph threw everything that they knew that the, that the town would ridicule them with, that the church would ridicule them with, the synagogue, the Jews, and stuff like that. When they had to raise this child up saying that it was the Son of God, saying that he was, he was the promised Messiah that people had been waiting for forever. You know, they were expecting him to be some great king, probably born in royalty and stuff like that. They weren't expecting him to be born to this average girl and then the local carpenter, like in this small town. That's not what people were expecting. Um, like I say, we normally try to make things perfect. You know, we're going to pick this person to be the mom. We're going to pick this person to be the dad. He's going to have this awesome house over here. He's going to have this awesome family, this power. His family's going to be set up, and that's not the way that, that God normally works. He looks at the heart. He finds people that he thinks will be humble enough to be able to, to follow through and give God the glory, people that will trust him enough, to, no matter how hard things get, whether you get faced with death, whether you get faced with persecution, that they're going to stick with it because none of us know the end of our stories, how they play out right now. They didn't know their stories, and Mary, like I said, was just a teenager. She didn't know how it was going to play out, 
but she had to trust in God. She had to put him first to the best of her ability. She trusted that Joseph would do the same thing, and it had a little rocky start there at first, but God talked to him. He came around. He said, look, I'm going to be right here by your side through all of this. We'll be able to do this together. We know that we can lean on God. We can lean on each other, but we're going to be able to get through this. And they changed their convictions. They changed their original plans of how they thought their marriage was going to play out, how they thought their life was going to play out. Like my wife will tell you all the time, the plan that she had for her life <laughs> was to move to New York, be a news reporter, and have like the next Katie Couric, I think is who she wanted to be, have one kid. And she was getting out of this small town, and now she's stuck here with me, a little youth pastor slash farmer. <laughs> we got five kids running around on the farm, and it's not at all what she thought she was going to be doing with her life, but she said the plan that God had for change, and you, you, the way that God has your life play out, it couldn't be any better if you followed his convictions in the way that he wanted you to live it. Um, it's not, you can't plan a better life than what God has for you. So, um, we're, like I said, we're not always going to know the end of our stories or the lives, how they're going to play out. We have to trust God in the circumstances that we're put in, the situations that we're put in, and when people ridicule us for following our convictions or thinking, you know, what you're doing is crazy, that doesn't make any sense, like I said, God's plan normally isn't going to make sense by common sense standards, by worldly standards. You're not going to be able to draw a business plan out and take it to the bank like you normally would. God's going to look at that and be like, yeah, you did that, and it, may, it gives you the credit. It's not giving me the credit or the glory. God wants to get glory for using us. He allows us to be used by him. We're just imperfect little vessels that he allows to be part of his big plan. And we need to learn to understand that and realize that sometimes the people that ridicule us, sometimes the people that persecute us, well, that's why God didn't put them in that situation, because they probably wouldn't have done it that way. God put us in that situation. He puts each and every one of us in the unique situation that you're in at the time, because that's the plan he had for you. He knows that you were created this time for that purpose, and that you're going to follow through with it the way that he wants to. So you got to learn to trust in God, even when you don't know how it's going to play out, even when people question you. Like I said, study the scriptures, pray, pray about it, feel like you, when God lays on your heart a conviction, Follow through with it the best that you can. I tell the youth kids all the time, I said, if ever, you got 100 kids in the room and 99 of them walk out, that, walk out the door and you feel led to walk out the other door, walk out that other door. You don't have to follow the crowd. You don't have to give in to peer pressure. You follow what you feel like God is calling you to do, no matter with the ridicule that you may face, no matter if you face death like she was facing being stoned to death. She didn't know how it was going to turn out at the time, but she trusted God and said, as, as you say, you know, so let it be we got to learn to put God in our situation. Like uh, We talk about it all the time. He told Noah to make the ark, and it had never even rained. People probably thought he was crazy. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were willing to walk through the fiery furnace. They didn't know how that was going to turn out, but people trusted God, not knowing the end. And all these stories in Scripture, you read the Scripture, you know how it ends. That's all well and good, but you got to remember that those people, when they went through it, they didn't know how it ended. Mary and Joseph didn't know how this was going to play out or how it was going to end but they trusted God. They learned to trust in each other despite it wasn't how they had it planned out on earth. It wasn't how they would have envisioned their life to play out. Um, they had to go through a lot of hardships, and Mary ended up ultimately watching, her, watching the son die that she raised up. That was her chosen son that she was honored to carry, to give birth to, and to raise up. She had to watch him die on that cross later on. She went through a lot of heartache, and people knew that this was going to end up happening. Um, but that's something, like I said, trust your convictions, lean, learn to lean on each other. Like in a marriage with your husband and wife, if you're married, if you're not, I told the kids today, I said, one of the reasons I married her so fast is because she believed a lot like I did. We had a lot of the same convictions, a lot of the same ideas. And you find somebody like that, you're like, oh, this is what marriage is supposed to be like. This is what a relationship is supposed to be like. 
So then you jump into it. Like I said, I was like, oh, I'm not letting this one get away. I want to be able to catch her. So you find somebody like that, whether you're a guy or a girl, you find your, your helpmate, and that's somebody that you'll walk through life together with, and you don't have to worry. You know, if things get hard, you're going to have your spouses right there backing you up. She always says she's got my back, even though, like, the decisions we make don't always make sense. She always says, I'll, I'll uh, follow what you decide as a husband. I will follow your lead, <clears throat> and that means a lot to me. But we trust in God the best that we can. We follow his will, and we don't know how, how things are going to play out in our own life sometimes. Like, we go through a lot of a heartache, a lot of hard times ourselves. We do what we feel like God is calling us to do, and sometimes it does not make any sense by worldly standards. People tell us all the time that, we're crazy that, that what we're doing doesn't make sense, that, you know, there's no way you can live that way. There's no way you can raise a family that way, but we keep doing it, and the good Lord has blessed us so far. He's going to continue to bless us. Um, I didn't really even mean to talk about that. It was just something that came on my heart, but you got to learn to trust him, trust your spouse, trust each other, and lean on each other when the times get tough. Follow your convictions. Stick with God no matter what your story is, no matter what he's asking you to do. Pray about it. Stick to your convictions, and God may use you. He may be a simple story. It may not make the, they may not have a biography or autobiography about you, but your kids will talk about it. People who knew you will talk about it. Um, God will know your story. And when you lay down at the end of the day, you can say, I didn't live my life perfectly, but I did what I feel like God was calling me to do. He blessed me for that. And our reward one day is going to be, we have salvation now. We will get to spend an eternity with him in heaven. We will get to know Jesus, the son of God that that we're learning about today is Mary and Joseph got to know him personally. We can have a personal relationship with him. We can get to know him in heaven. That will be our eternal reward for the stuff that we have to go through here on this earth because this is all just temporary. But ultimately, put your faith in your spouse and each other. Put your faith in God. Learn to trust on each other and walk through life the best that you can. And don't worry about what the world's going to say. Don't worry about the hardships or anything like that. God's going to take care of you. He is going to be a faithful and trusting God. And it doesn't matter what the rest of the world does. So just continue to put God first, and that's what he said to do, is love him above everybody else. So that's what we need to do. So at this time, I will open us up, or close us in prayer. Miss Emily will come up, and then we'll have a time of invitation, okay? Dear Heavenly Father, just uh, if y'all would stand, please. Dear Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you for this time and the, just the, all the different stories that you put in the Bible for us to learn from and learn how to apply those stories to our lives, Father. We thank you for sending your son down here on the cross, that you were willing to give him up to pay the penalty for our sins, that you were willing to let him give up all the comforts of heaven to come down here and be born in the humble state that he was, to go through all the persecution and humility that he did, that you loved us enough for that, Father. Just help us to be acknowledging of that, Father, to accept that fact, to believe in it, believe it in our hearts, confess it with our mouths, that he's Lord and Savior, and live our lives in a way that shows that we're trying to honor him the best we can. None of us are going to do it perfect. We're all sinners. We're all in need of saving grace, Father. But you offered that to us, and all we got to do is reach out and freely just accept it, God, because there's, there's no strings attached to it. And just help us to take that gift and then just be grateful for what you've done. All of us have things in our lives that we're going through that we may not understand how it's going to play out. It doesn't make a common sense answer. There's, there's nothing on paper that you can justify why you're doing what you're doing. It's just what each of us feels convicted by. We study the scriptures. We pray to you about it. Just help us to honor you first and not worry about what the rest of the world thinks. Because if everybody did that, there'd be a whole lot of these stories in the Bible that would be different. So just help us to put you first, honor you, and just lean on each other for support. I ask all this in Jesus' holy and precious name.